The field goal kicker steps out onto the field. There's three seconds left in the game, and his team is down by one point. This is it. If he makes it, they win, but if he misses, they lose. And while he would usually feel confident about making a kick like this, he had missed one from the same distance just earlier in the game, and now the stakes were so high. While he tried to look calm and collected on the outside, on the inside, his heart had never been beating faster. The musician sits down as she gets ready to play in the big performance in the orchestra. While she would usually feel prepared and confident for a performance like this, this time things were different. She had a huge solo and just earlier that morning at practice, she was making all kinds of mistakes. And so as she got down and got ready to prepare and play for the performance, she was lacking all of her confidence. And there are all kinds of situations like the ones mentioned where we can be faced with evidence that leads us to be lacking in confidence. And maybe you thought of situations in your life or that showed itself to be the case. Well, today we're going to talk about our lives of prayer. And as you think about your life of prayer, have you ever been faced with, con or with evidence that leads you to be lacking in confidence? Maybe you've brought prayers before God only to have them seemingly go unanswered. Or maybe you simply just realize that in prayer, you, a sinner, are going before the holy and perfect God. And really, all things considered, can we really be confident as we go before God in prayer? Well, leading up to our verses for today, John had been writing to a church that was being deceived by false teachers. These teachers were claiming to have special knowledge that one needed in order to get to heaven. And not only that, these false teachers were also teaching the false idea that while the Spirit was good, that all earthly matter was inherently evil. And this idea led them to teach that Jesus wasn't a true man, which really struck at the heart of what God's plan of salvation is all about. And not only were they teaching this, they were also telling John's audience that since their bodies were inherently evil, that it didn't matter how one lived. Since your body was inherently evil, you might as well eat, drink, and be merry. So throughout his letter, John attacks these false claims by these teachers who had invaded the church. But he does so in an interesting way. Instead of simply listing everything that's wrong with these false teachers and their false ideas, he instead beautifully states what the Christian life really is. And he explains all of the blessings that come from Jesus dying on the cross, who is both true God and true man. And in our verses for today, we're looking at John's concluding remarks to these Christians where he tells them, you can have confidence before God. 
And as our verses for today begin, John really starts by highlighting what the foundation for that confidence is. I have written these to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. I mean, John tells his audience, because of what Christ has done for you and going to the cross to die for all of your sins, you can know that you have eternal life. The foundation for your confidence rests on the work of Christ. And John's audience already knew this. But John was reminding these Christians of this amazing truth so as to defend them against the false teaching of these false teachers who were telling them that you needed to have this special knowledge in order to get to heaven. But as John made clear, it's not about having special knowledge. It's about believing in Jesus Christ, the one who was both true God and true man. And because Jesus was true man, he was born under the law and he was able to die. And because Jesus was true God, he was able to live the perfect life that we never could. And his death was able to pay for the sins of the entire world. And throughout his letter, John makes it clear that because of who Christ was and because of what Christ has done for you, you have the certainty of eternal life in heaven. There's no question about it. And John then explains that because of what the work of Christ had accomplished for his audience, that they can approach God confidently in prayer. This is the confidence that we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. With these words, John really teaches his audience three beautiful truths about prayer. First, he teaches his audience that the foundation for their lives of prayer is the work of Christ. That Christ's death on the cross paid for the sins of the entire world, and through faith, believers receive this forgiveness tearing away the barrier that had once separated them from God. And second, John teaches his audience that the purpose of prayer is for believers to conform their will to God's will. Believers do this by praying for the very things that God has promised to bless them with. And we find out what those things are as we look in God's word. We see that God promises to bless his believers with daily bread, promises to bless them with his forgiveness every day of their lives, but he promises to strengthen faith. Really, as we look at God's word, we see that God is always willing and ready to pour out all kinds of amazing blessings on his believers. And third, John teaches his audience that in prayer, God gives them his full and undivided attention. Just like how an earthly father listens to and cares for the needs of their own child, so too does your heavenly father listen to and care for the needs of all his dearly beloved children. And not only does God promise to hear the prayers of his believers, but as John continues, we see just how loving God truly is. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we also know that we receive the things that we have asked from him. 
And here John is telling his audience, you not only have a God who gives you his full and undivided attention as you approach him in prayer, you also have a God who will give you all of the things that he has promised to bless He will never go back on his promises. And because God promises to do this for you, what God desires for you, his faithful believers, to go before him in prayer and to ask for many and great things of him. And these truths that John wrote in our verses for today are also true for all of us here today. That you as a Christian can go before God and ask for the very things that God has promised to bless you with, knowing that he gives you his full and undivided attention and knowing that God will bless you with all of these things. And since John was an inspired writer by the Holy Spirit, we know these things to be true. So why doesn't this always seem to be the case in our lives? I'm sure you've all experienced times where you've gone to God in prayer, asking for things like daily bread, for your faith to be strengthened, or help in all kinds of difficult situations. And yet it seems like God leaves your prayers unanswered. And when this happens, it seems like one of two things is the case. It seems like either God is a liar or unloving. Or it seems like something might be wrong with our faith. Really, neither is the case. You see, when we go to God in prayer, we need to remember that we pray for God to give us these things according to his will. And that we conform our will to his. And this means not only praying for the things that God has promised to bless us with, This also means praying for God to give us these things in the way that God desires to give them to us. And this means that there might be times when God doesn't answer our prayers right then and right there. God will sometimes allow hardships and sufferings to endure in our lives, not as a way to punish us, but really to serve as a way to strengthen our faith and trust in him. But of course, when we're faced with these situations, when it seems like our prayers are going unanswered, our sinful nature can so easily lead us into temptation, leading us to believe that God is either unloving or a liar. Because from our perspective as a believer, we see that we have this need in our lives that God has promised to give us and to answer this prayer with whatever it may be, So it just makes sense that God should answer this prayer right here and right now. We can also be tempted to doubt that we're one of God's children. Because after all, if God has promised to bless his believers with all of these amazing things, then why else would God not bless me in this way if this weren't the case? When these temptations come, it's so important for us to go back and to look at what God's will truly is. And we do that by looking at God's word. 
And as we do that, we see that the center and focus of God's will is our salvation. Where God could have let us rot away in our sins, but instead of doing that, he sent his son to live perfectly in our place. And where it was God's will to place all of our sins on Christ as he hung on the cross. And where we then receive his holiness, his righteousness, and his perfection. This is God's will. And if this is the will of the God we pray to, then we can be assured that God will not only hold true to his promise to bless us with the forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven, but we can also know that God will hold true to all of the other things that he has promised to bless us with and know that he will give us these things with our best interest in mind. So while we can be faced with all kinds of evidence that leads us to be lacking in confidence as we go before God in prayer, we can remember that because of who Christ was and because of what Christ has done for us, that we not only have the privilege and the ability to go before God in prayer, but that as we do so, we can know that God will answer our prayers according to his holy and perfect will, which includes our salvation. Amen.